Hello and welcome back to the third episode of the Butter Pie Podcast. Uh, I'm your host Oliver. I'm here today with Kyle, Tom, and Adam. You all right, boys? Yeah. Amen. Been quite been another tough week for uh, the Lily Whites, hasn't it, boys? Um, obviously, we'll talk uh, more on the Reading game and the Mansfield game, but we'll go back to the predictions at the start. Um, what, what did you boys predict for the Reading game? No comment. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we got uh, money right. Well, I think uh, I've lost. So, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm glad to say I'm the only one who's correctly guessed PE's results twice. Maybe not the four-one, but I predicted two-nil Hull, and they won four-one, obviously, and predicted two-one. I couldn't see anything else than after we scored, than Reading to score again. To be fair, boys, won it. I mean. You'd think most of the times you'd score the goal as the equaliser and you'd be the team that would be looking like getting the next goal, but you always knew that it was going to be that if anyone was going to get find a winner, it was going to be them because we the only way we looked like scoring a goal was through a penalty or a set piece, and, yeah. and that's what happened yeah. exactly. Um, and going back to the Mansfield game on Tuesday night, 3 0 win away at Mansfield. But did it look like a 3 0 result from watching the first half? No, Probably not. not. I mean, yeah, like you say, it took us 45 minutes to get going against the League, the league Two side. And using quite a strong team as well. So, yeah. We had like Sinclair up top, and it was, it, we should really be putting, I know we got three in the second half, but that's when they've been pushing on a bit. And, I think they got tired as well. Yeah, because we had the fitness on them. But the actual quality levels, like, I don't think there was much in it other than Sinclair, really. Well, I know. Put, putting it by um, Mansfield, if they had, if they actually had someone who could score, that Oaks could have had about two or three goals in the first yeah. half. Yeah, definitely. It was ruining us. Um, obviously, it was quite, it was quite a... Um, First team related squad for the cup. I was expecting more youngsters to be playing, like Rodwell Grant to be starting. But you could see that Frankie's obviously set us up after uh, the 4 1 drilling by Hull that <laughs> we need to go out here and we need to win. Otherwise, there's going to be pandemonium. Yeah, you can understand like, why, you know, like North End is a team that run on momentum. When we're losing, we lose 20 games in a row. When we're winning, we go unbeaten for 20 games in a row. I remember. Won't go that far. Well, yeah, I probably would. <laughs> um, but yeah, you can understand why he wanted to put out a strong team because you think you get a result against Mansfield, although it's Mansfield, it's a League Two side. You get a draw or you you win against Reading, that's okay. And then you push on to Huddersfield and Peterborough, and you're looking at them two games thinking you get something out of it. Um, mm-hmm. You can understand why he's doing it, like I said, but in my personal opinion, I think it was the wrong decision. I know we won, and that's the main thing. But I think you you should be this season. Although I predicted playoffs, it's going to be a write off. There's too much negativity around the team, uh, around the club in general. Our team is just pretty pretty naff in it. Um, this is the season where you need to blood these young players like Rodwell Grant, and um, I think he he had a missed opportunity where he should have been giving a lot of young players some games there. Yeah. But obviously, um, also, Sinclair got a goal on the counter-attack. So, you could see that there was slight transitions um, in the second half when 
the ball got what was it was it taken by Maguire, then fed through to Sinclair for him to chip uh, over yeah. the goalkeeper. Yeah. So there oh. are tra- there are oh. transitional plays there, but yeah, I think it shows that we've got we can produce on the break and stuff. And it was a really nicely taken goal by Sinclair. Like it's a really good finish and a good through ball from Maguire. And we just don't see enough of that in the championship, really, because no. we don't get afforded that amount of time. We had a lot of space, and when teams actually sit back like Reading for the last twenty minutes on Saturday, we don't really have any answers to it because we just don't have the quality on the ball to really hurt anybody. Exactly. I, mean, I think we've probably got a couple of players. We've probably got Johnson and we've got Sinclair who will create those chances. But it's getting them on the ball consistently to create those chances that we need. That's where we're going wrong. Well, I mean, I, go, going back on the Mansfield game for the last point, um, we did say at the start, before um, the whole game, that we expected Reese to have a good season. Yeah. Uh, he got two in two. Uh, Mansfield obviously he didn't he didn't uh, do much at the Reading game, which we're moving on to now. But um, yeah, I mean, for his confidence, still getting dragged off, and not getting a full ninety minutes. Questionable, yeah. It's so pots as well. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, what what good is bringing on bringing off our striker for a play playing pots up in a in an attacking position like it's not I know Potts did alright when he came on I'm not trying to scapegoat Potts at all because I actually think he's a bit underrated at times but I don't think there's a reason to take off right Reese either I think you've got to keep him on because he can produce those moments out of nothing that well, some players in our squad just can't do and what, what, why take him off he's a focal point he can get in behind but he can also take it in You've just got to keep him on the pitch for those moments, like with Sinclair. Yeah, we were losing, and we take off our only number nine and bring on a central midfielder to play up top. It's questionable to see, isn't it? I I think baffling. Some of Frankie's decisions, I'm not going to go in. I know there's so much more problems than Frankie, but the first two league games of this season... The tactics and all sorts have been absolutely horrific, to be honest. And if that was any other manager, no matter what's happening off the pitch, that not many managers would get away with some of the decisions come out with in the last two games. Well, talking of decisions, did you hear or see on Twitter that somebody were reckoning that basically Risdale were on the phone so much because he were pulling the strings from above, he were telling McAvoy what to do on the blower? Telling yeah. the app. A Reading fan said, didn't he? He was on the phone to like down to the bench. Yeah, that's what I'm what? on about. I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure about the truth of that. Like, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't count on it because he's always on his. Uh, always on the phone to Emmons. But if it if it is true and it's going down to the analysts, I mean, if it was his decision to bring on Parts for Reese, then <laughs> I don't know what to say. Um, but obviously, football's a game for him. Yeah, not exactly. But I mean, three-five-two again. The formation uh, it solely bases the creativity on the number ten. Five-three-two, I think you mean. Oh well, you know it's right. Five-three-two, <laughs> but it solely bases the creativity coming off one person in the number ten role because the wing backs. We've got Seth Van der Berg, who's a centre back. I feel sorry for him. 
He's come back on loan and he said, I want to play more centrally this year. He's playing at right wing back whilst we have Story and Lindsay playing at centre-half and Andrew Hughes is a left-back playing at left-centre-back, who's the best in that back three or back five, I should say. Seth van der Berg is being wasted. It's it's ridiculous. I, I know we brought in Ola Sunday, but why? what other club doesn't have a backup? Like fullback for that. I know you've got Rafferty. But... Oh, I'm not really. <laughs> not with we're not. We're not clouting him as an option, but we need someone that. Why is? Why are we having to play a 19 year old centre back at right back? It's just no other club in the division is having to do that except us after two games. It's He's just... our best centre half as well. Like, I know. Yeah. Oh, uh, no, I think Bauer is. Let's be honest. Well, well, he's not even playing either. He's not even exactly. right. We're playing Liam Lindsay at centre, like the central centre back. He was brought in as a left centre back replacement for Ben Davis, which is laughable to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, the reason why we brought him in is because he's left footed. We're playing him centrally, and he's, he's the, the most ineffective. He's the most ineffective. Central centre back I've ever seen. Every ball over the top, in between him and Story. Oh my days! It's yeah. like it's like it's it's schoolboy mistakes. Like a ball over the top and they just keck themselves. Why are we bringing in Lindsay? As we say, oh, we brought him in for his left foot. If we don't actually play, he can't play on the left hand side of the defence. Like, what's the point in having a left footed centre half? It's they're not even going to play on the left-hand side. Because he costs £75,000, that's why. Exactly. Well, yeah, and that is that is where the, the issues lie, isn't it, at the end of the day? But I think well, that's for another Well, time. especially after the sale of Ben Davis to Liverpool, which was around £1.5 million. And uh, he's obviously been rumoured to go to Sheffield United for a loan fee of £1 million. So you mm. could loan Ben Davis... For 500k less than we sold him to the Champions of Europe. Yeah. England, I should say. Sorry. The, well, Europe and Europe. England. It's it's levels it's above us. Chalk, chalk and cheese. Yeah. I, I, we're, not, we're not trying to seem negative, but I feel like we've just been... like The energy's been dragged out of us as fans. It is being asset stripped, isn't it? it like, it's, been, it's been asset exactly stripped. And... There's no, there's no feeling around the club. Like it's getting to the stage where people are just losing hope and just like you know what, what what is the point? I know we say this every year because we finish mid table in this, but if if you look down to the nitty gritty and you see us being asset stripped and you see us getting tonked four one off a League One side that have just come up and losing away to Reading without really having any chances until the last five, ten minutes. Yeah. It doesn't fill you with what what's the point? Like people have other commitments after COVID. What is the point coming to watch a club who do not replace their players with adequate signings and just get assets stripped from that? And there's just <laughs> there's no but tactics behind the, whole the team. The point of football is meant is meant to be based off having hope about your football club and optimism. Like we, we want to go to games and, and have a, a strategy and a plan in place and know that we're going in the right direction. Every single 
game at the minute just feels like hard work. Like you just you look at we've got oh we've got a game tomorrow Huddersfield, and you look at it and you don't feel that excitement. It's more dread at the minute, and that's like a chore, isn't it? It's, it's like, like you, you feel chores. you've got to go and back the lads, and we'll always be loyal and back out back the lads, and but and we'll be here a lot longer than the people at the top will be, but. It's it's so draining when we go into every game and there's even if we get a win, it's kind of like it just it just postpones the dread for another week and then we get back we're back in circles and it's just draining. Like the the I know I know it's hard to say, but you lose you start to lose passion for the club. Like if it's the same repetitive thing time and time again, like like. I know it's been like put to the side because we've obviously had a new training ground, etc. Stadium getting back on, like there's obviously excitement. But when you look back at it and you see all underneath, like pushed underneath, Robinson was never replaced. No. I, we go back and say Hugo was never replaced. I understand there's been six striker signings, but if you're if you're putting David Nugent as a replacement for <laughs> Jordan Hugel, then do me a favour. Well, those six strikers were probably signed for less than a tenth of what we got for Hugel, so I'm not buying into this. It's just another a delusional comment, to be honest. From... Well, um, I was also listening to um, From the Finney, uh, their most recent episode, and they mentioned how Brentford uh, had a, had less... No, they had 5,000 more per week in their wage budget that they were spending on players, and they're they're fielding two teams because they've got an under twenty three team. Mm. So technically, they we are paying more in our first team for shitter players for shitter players who are on massive massive wages for us as a club, and oh. look where we are compared to them. Yeah, Alan Brown, he's been given a massive wage and he should be the one where the players are looking up to him and he's our, like, talisman. You know, he's the one everyone believes that can get us, like, into games and get us results. But you look at him and is he worthy of that contract at the minute? Is he doing anything that any other player isn't doing? I, I can't say he is and... And it's it's concerning. Like these players were given a massive, massive wages for, for us as a club. And even in the championship, twenty grand a week, it's it's a hefty amount. And what is he is he proving that? No, he's not. And it, it's concerning for the future that he's got three more years of that deal and he needs to start proving that he's worth it. Well th- this is what I mean, like you think about this, Brown and DJ were two of the big four. In uh, the the six months left on the contract deals, which we ended up losing Pearson and Davis for uh, for buttons, I should put it. Um, but the two big players for our club, and I understand that Brown's not performed. But when where can you fit him in this team? Like in in this in this formation of the five three two or three five two, as we're told, DJ's obviously going to be playing in the ten. Because he's the most creative player. I, I can't see any creativity come from Alan Brown. Like, I, he's brilliant at uh, uh, bringing the ball forward, but there's no, there's no oomph there. You know, you, can, you can't see Alan Brown 
doing a few step overs, taking it past the player, whipping it into the back post for Chad Evans, can you? I agree with actually Oli Gorn here from, from the Finney. I actually think Alan Brown's best position is right back. Honestly, Just Matt Serna. Yeah, I honestly say. think he has the actual. If he can get his positional sense sorted a bit, he's got he's got a bit of speed. He's got he's good decent defender. I honestly think, and he's got he has got a decent ball in once he like he has got some decent quality on the ball if he's got time and stuff. It's when he's in the midfield that it's all a bit. Carnage, he seems exactly. to panic a bit, but on well, the right hand side, I really think he can be an asset there. What I was going to say is, Alan Brown is probably the the human embodiment of North End. He he's not very technically gifted, but what he makes, what he does is he runs a lot, and he's pretty good athletically. And uh, like I said, although he's not technically good, that's that's what he does, and that's what North End are doing at the minute. We're just trying to grind out games. Uh, on a weekly basis, and um, yeah, in in terms of at a deeper level, in terms of how the club's being run, how he's being given a twenty grand a week contract, it it does beg a belief. But um, yeah, I, I do I do I do feel like um, when he was playing in the uh, ten role for us, what what season was it? It was it was um, eighteen nineteen where he scored yeah. double figures. Yeah. Did he score? Yeah, I'm yeah, saying he was 18, he had a really good season. But um, the, the, I think it was 18 19 that he played in the 10. And then you got to see like, the players around him. They had Lucas the Metcher on the right, he had Robinson. Alan Robinson. And who did he have up front? Hugo. Hugo, right. Really, if he was playing up top, wasn't it? So, so it's easy to see because he's got options to give off the ball to quality players. Like you look at Nemecha now, he's at Wolfsburg, who are challenging for Champions League. Callum Robinson scored two in two for West Brom, and he looks like he's going to light up the uh, championship this season. And Jordan Hugill, he's in the Premier League. What is there else to say? And he had Ben Pearson behind him with Galley in his in his good, in his good years. Like it was a, just a quality quality side, and I think Alan Brown probably was helped by that fact because ever since we kind of lost those players he's not really stepped up to the mark like he should be doing on that he's way the, he's the captain as well though. yeah he needs he, like when, when we can right when we conceded the second goal and the first goal at Reading yeah you kind of understand you have a look around at your players see what the see what they're doing see what, how they're looking and Brown as a captain, you kind of want to like g the players up, you kind of want to get them going again, try and like pick it up, make sure they go, try and get another goal. He just kind of like sits in his shell a little bit. I don't think he's as captain material as Clarkey was, as Galley was. Yeah. Like, maybe he'll grow into it. I don't know, but for not the time being, is he? Exactly. For the time being, he's not what you want your captain to be when your team's struggling. You need him to put his heart on his sleeve and play for the club and inspire the rest of the team to play alongside him. But he just he looks a bit emotionless at times after we concede or if we're not playing too great. I think that's with a lot of them at the minute. I, I, I don't look at the team at the minute. And I saw a post on PNE Online the other day and it was about like the days of where we had our League One team with John Welsh, Tom Clark, Galley, Joe Garner, uh, Chris Humphrey, Scott Laird. And they would die for the club. They would do put their bodies on the line. Jack King, 
they would honestly, they'd throw their bodies in the way. Like, if you look at the team right now, how many of them, like, do you feel like, Andrew Hughes is more bothered about getting on Love Island than defending set pieces. We need the players. Not many of them look like they care to me at the minute. And that is the sad thing sometimes when we're losing. I, I don't feel like they have that same feeling as we're getting. And that that's sad to see. It is a big, very big point that as well. In the last, I reckon... 18 to 24 months, we've lost a lot of uh, really influential leaders. I know Gally's still in the setup, like, but he's not our club captain anymore. In the last two years, we've lost Tom Clark, as you say, uh, Gallagher, we've lost Pearson, Davies. We've lost a lot of these players that, you know, if you're if you 1 0 down away, you look at them and you're like, you know, you, you will put something in and you will you'll raise the spirits of the team. And at the minute, you look at the side and you think, who's going to do that? Obviously, keepers are irrelevant. But in the back five, who do you reckon is going to do that? Maybe Cunningham when he plays? Possibly. Yeah. In the midfield, possibly Ledson. Possibly. But he's just just mad, though, isn't he? What his way of showing he cares, he's just getting red cards. (laughs) He's He's not helping the team by doing that. That's just him just losing his head. You don't think... He just seems to just get angry and just start yeah. attacking people. Well, that, that's, that's, when he starts, uh, that's when he starts losing. I, I do feel also, if you're going into the backroom staff as well, I know he wasn't uh, obviously a major part of the backroom staff, but he's a major influential. Cowell. Steve Cowell. Because you see these interviews coming in, how um, these ex-players, and they were like, we were so stunned when uh, Cowley lost his job. You can see how massive of a figure he was in yeah. the dressing room. I think it was Ben Pearson. He said he would have worked for free. Yeah. <laughs> he's at AFC Fylde now, is Steve Cowell. He's a kit man there. And he was he is someone, he is a Preston North End fan in the dressing room. And he would make sure the players knew what it meant to play for the club. And I feel like at the moment, there's no one that. telling them this. And because it's been behind closed doors for 18 months, they kind of didn't have the fans to see our reaction and feel how we were unless he went on social media. They don't... I yeah. feel like they've forgotten what it means to actually pull on the shirt sometimes. Didn't uh, didn't Cowley do a team talk before Gentry Day once to, like, yeah. to instil what Gentry Day means to the players that might not have heard of it before? They did it for Blackburn as well, didn't they? And Blackpool, yeah. obviously, this season, because he, he texted uh, one of the players saying... Uh, Whatever you do, you do not lose to these. Yeah, but that, no. that, that's the kind of influential you need in the dressing room, even if it's not the players. We're going back to uh, the playoff, League One playoff uh, winning team compared to this team. That playoff team would absolutely slap up this new team about 3 or 4 nil easily. Yeah. Easily. I know it's a bit of, a, a bit of an outdated quote, but there is literally such a big difference between that team and this team because of the leaders and it you know you can talk all you want about xg and your bloody progressive passes per 90 um you you know your flair players but as long as you, if you don't have a leader in a team there's no one to look to and to to galvanize the team and yeah. like like I know we're really drilling it all now but that playoff team had 
in net we had uh, some was it Sam Johnson or Pickford? Yeah, it was Johnson. Sam Johnson. Yeah. At left back we had Scott Laird. We had up front you had Garner and Beckford, two big big game players in midfield. Right. In midfield you had Gallagher, you had bloody Neil Kilkenny in John Welsh. In John Welsh in defence you had fucking Tom Clark, you had you had big game players, and it's just so sad to see what we've become from a, a, literally a team of men to now a team of of boys. We, who we're just, soft. Just if we soft, come up against yeah. with like a big number nine that's like six foot five and and going to put himself about, I know we've already lost the game. I know yeah. we like Wickham last season. We played them. Yeah, that whatever. I'm not even going to try. Easy or top. And he just, you just knew before the game had started. He's just gonna bully us because we don't yeah. have anybody that's up for a fight anymore. They, they just roll over and get the bellies tickled, and it's, it's honestly, it's laughable. I, I do feel like we're going over the same points here because it's the same stuff that we've been repeating for the past three episodes, but nothing has changed. But I mean, I feel like we do have to go on to the next part because. Otherwise, we'll just be sticking around repeating the same things forever. So, yeah. um, we'll go on to the second part, shall we, boys? Yep. Yep. Right. Welcome back to the second part of uh, episode three of the Butter Pie podcast. Uh, this part, we're going to be talking about the remainder of the transfer window and obviously how North End will act in the remainder of the transfer window. I think there's just around two weeks left. Um since the last uh, podcast, which was a week ago, there's obviously been nothing happening outgoings-wise or incomings-wise. Um, obviously, Jamie Thomas did just sign before the last episode. But um, outgoings-wise, we still have 28 pros on at the club. I understand it'll be 27 because Izzy Brown will not be, um, not be put in the squad this season due to his injury. But there's still three players that we need to get out before we can even bring one in. But there's been no rumours at all. Like We've gone on to it. There's four keepers in in that. What are we doing with four keepers? And there's about... I'm, I'm not even going to name names, but there's there's so many players that you, if they left the club, they wouldn't... It, it just, wouldn't make a difference. It wouldn't make a difference. But, I mean, yeah. we say that, it probably would make a difference because the replacements that we're bringing in are worse than men. <laughs> That's impressive, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, if you can I find mean... someone worse than Joe Rafferty, I'd be incredibly impressed. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> outgoings-wise, what what is Conor Ripley still doing at the club? Like, I don't, like we can't get rid of these players. Like, I, <laughs> I think <laughs> at this point, it's we've we've given them decent contracts and that's down to Ridgedale and Hemmings. And at the end of the day, if no one's gonna want them, we're gonna have to subsidize the wages or pay them off because why should why should it be down to us suffering because of their stupid decisions at the end of the day? And they need to just be shifted up somehow. And I'm sure in the next two weeks the, the window will start to liven up a bit when teams start to panic. And I I'm hopeful at least someone will want to take Harrop or Ripley. In the no, I'm, I'm definitely not. I'm hoping that we, even if we have to pay three quarters, seventy-five percent of the wages, it's better than having to pay the full wages and have them on the books. And that might just be have to do what we have to do in the end. And 
in the end, at the end of the day, that's Risdale and Hemingway's fault for giving Josh Harrop a new three-year deal it, when it was it's just it's just silly decisions that have been made that don't benefit Hemmings at the end of the day. Like Hemmings, Hemmings is going to have to pay the wages at the end of the day. But slapping these players on ten grand a week and then not being able to shift them because obviously. League One and League Two teams, besides take away Ipswich because they're just throwing money around at the moment, there's not really any teams that will be able to match oh, the amount no. that we're giving them because we're giving Josh these... Harris, one of our highest paid players. Like exactly, how is that even ended up happening? Why did he get a three year deal last summer and and why was he on such big money and? No championship club's going to even touch him with a barge pole, so let's forget that one. And then you go to League One. He went to Ipswich last season, who were pretty bang average. He couldn't even get in their team, and when he did get in their team, he got sent off. Got more red cards than goals, didn't he? Yeah, he did. (laughs) And the six. And then, who who realistically then, if he can't get into a mid-table League One team last season on any wages... Who no one lower down in the league one is going to even look at him? It's shocking. It's shocking. But if you talk about Josh Harrop not getting a league one side, how many of these players in the current squad are getting getting a league one side? How many? Like, and yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not talking about uh, like like high end. I'm not talking about the Sunderland, the Ipswiches, the others. I'm speaking about like Fleetwood Town. Say Fleetwood Town, our cl- the closest League One side to us, right? How many of our players in this in our squad would get into the Fleetwood team? I think Let's I go. reckon. Do, are we naming names or are you just counting? No, just count them. Mm-hmm. I don't think it'd be many to be honest. Well, I'd, I'd probably put a limit on around ten, maybe fifteen in their squad. Yeah. Yeah, I reckon about ten maybe. <laughs> I tell well, you, Ted Evans couldn't even start regularly for Fleetwood, and he's coming yeah. to us, and he's looked like a world beater for for our staff. <laughs> we've, all, we've all been like worshiping him, like how well he's he's been. Like, oh, he's our best striker since Hugo. I think that says more though. Doesn't it? <laughs> I think yeah. that says it all when a journeyman striker who's thirty two from League One comes in and performs better than the past six signings that we've had to replace Jordan Hugill who seemed our only bright spark of number nine since being shipped off to West Ham for Moisey in the January transfer window of, what, 2019, was it? 2018, I think. 2018. Oh, so that's even worse than I expected in the first place. But (laughs) there's no rumours at all. Apparently, um, I'm not sure who who it was, but uh, someone interviewed Frankie. And he mentioned that the, he's not had the actual full-on chats to, to the players to say, hey, we're moving you on, please, can you find Why a new not? club? Why not? Yeah, this is what I'm on about. Why don't you go? You see, you bring these players in. We're in a rebuild stage that we got told. We got told we're in a rebuild stage. You bring in these players and go, you're not good enough for this team. Well, maybe not that harsh, but uh, sorry, we can't fit you in this team. I think it's best if you go try and search somewhere else. Ipswich Town are in a rebuild stage. They brought in 16 new players out of 25. They've kept nine on. That's, That's a re- that, is, that is a rebuild. That is. Yeah, and if we if Frankie had these conversations with these players that he doesn't want to keep on, 
say say he goes up to a Connor Ripley, Joe Rafferty, Josh Harrop right now and says, um, you're not in my plans. Like, I feel like it's best if your agent starts looking for a club for you. Then we can start to make some progress. But if he's not even going to start telling these players, oh, we're going to move you on until someone comes to us asking about them, which they probably never will, we're just going to be stuck with them for the next 12 months. And then we'll be thinking, we won't have any room to bring anybody in. And if we don't bring anyone in, we're going down. So It, it, it screams the Nugent situation for at least two or three players. It does. Yeah. So yeah, we, get, getting getting slammed on, getting like getting slammed on. Will it probably be if these players keep on? So, uh, if you use three names who probably might not get in the squad, you probably look at Harrop because he's probably about third choice, third fourth choice, number ten role. You can't see him really going anywhere forward. Probably look at Joe Rafferty as well, and then obviously one of the Connor keepers, Ripley. Connor Ripley. Um, you're looking at about fifteen k wages there, boys. Probably, I'd probably say more. I think Harrop belongs on 10, isn't he? Yeah, I'd say yeah, probably, probably. probably on 5. Probably Rafferty's on 5. And I'd say Harrop on about 10. So I'd say about 20k. Um, which is... <laughs> which is, if you think about it, you bring in a player of decent quality with a high ceiling who's young and can give something to this team to get fans off their seat, to get the energy back. Like we we we're getting like we sound we sound so low at the moment. It's because we're not looking forward to like we're all going to Huddersfield. We're all going to support the guys and support the boys. But this is what I mean. Like we're we doing our bit. We're just, we're going and paying our money to watch the team. We just need them the hierarchy to meet us halfway and actually do show some ambition and make us because we could get it bouncing if, if there's a bit of hope and optimism about and we got a few signings in we could we could achieve, we could in a few years down the line where we start to rebuild again we can start to work our way up again but at the minute I'm really I, I can see people just turning their backs on this season there's already talks of protests outside mm. Dale yeah. on Saturday versus Peterborough. Oh, um, yeah, obviously there's been talks online of a protest uh, going up against Peterborough on Saturday. Um, I, I'm not I'm not sure if anyone's actually going to go to it. I'm, because... I'm not a fan of that personally. Well, yeah. I mean, it's the fourth game of the season. I can understand people's yeah. frustrations um, going toward... But I mean, prote- protesting after the fourth game of the season. I understand you have to get your voices heard. But I mean, as 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 being said, Peter Ridsdale's just got a new job in the EFL. Yeah, that, he's that, not going anywhere. That's, that's cementing his place. He has to be a director at a football club to guarantee him the job on the board at the EFL. So Peter Ridsdale is not going anywhere anytime soon. He's not. The so, only way the protesting could help is if it kind of changes his mindset and ways. Yeah. Well, I can't see that with how stubborn he is, that it would make a difference. But that would be the only reason a protest would have any benefits is because we're going to try and force their hand a bit and make them change the transfer policy and the way the clubs run. And that would be the reason for a protest. And I think stuff at be vocal in it at Huddersfield tomorrow night. I hope people make the ownership know how we're feeling and 
I'm hearing there's banners being taken and all sorts. And I think that's we're not Blackpool. Let's not turn our back on our club. No. Like we we're still going to go turn up tomorrow night. We'll all be there and we'll back the lads when we're there. And I don't think standing outside the ground is going to change too much two hours before a game against Peter. It's just going to cause more negativity. The, the only way I can see it being changed, really, is, I mean, I, I can't really see Hemmings... Hemmings puts money into the club. Do not get me wrong. Um, and then Ridgedale's obviously had his handover um, recruitment, which has been... Fought, uh, it's been shoddy for the past four to five years. Let's not get that. Let, let's get that straight. The recruitment has been awful for the past four to five years. That There's no... There's no that's it. So... The only change I can see is if somehow Peter Ridsdale just allows the recruitment team um, and obviously James B to develop more and go around down the analytical side more because obviously Matt Olasunday was probably through that. Like we, we brought in Matt Olasunday through the recruitment strategies of obviously probably data and stuff like that, which obviously he was doing at Barnsley. Um, so, if anything is going to change, it's got to be that, probably. Because Peter Ridsdale and Trevor Hemmings, they're not going to go anywhere time soon because Trevor Hemmings wants this club in the Premier League, he says. I'm not too sure about that, personally. <laughs> so, unless some, some, rich, some rich American, he said, comes in and has the best four press and North End, then he's not going to sell. So, unless a very rich American comes in, Anyone listening? True. <laughs> any Americans out there? <laughs> uh, any good. any Americans wanting a uh, a nice little club in Preston? Come along. Um, so now we are actually going to go on to the preview for Huddersfield um, because obviously we are just we're just dragging ourselves lower and lower into ownership and hierarchy. Like the cha- the changes are there to be made. For the for the owners and the hierarchy, um, and it can be changed. It can be, like, things can happen. And obviously, the, these protests and stuff they may they may open an eye to something. But for for what we've got hope now is we support the boys, and we're hopeful that something does change. Um, because right now it just looks terrible. The first two games have been horrendous, and. The only way it can look like we're going is League One. But obviously, this game coming up on Tuesday night, which is um, it's a relegation six-pointer in the third game of the season, boys. It's, it's huge tomorrow night. And I can't believe we're saying this already, third game of the season. But it's a huge... If we lose to Huddersfield, who have just lost 5-1 at home against 10 men... And we lose that, and then we go into the Peterborough game needing to get something from that. If we were after three or four games, we're on zero points. We are in big, big trouble, and it's going to take a big effort to get out of it already. We'll be handing points to teams that are going to be next to us all season, so we're only putting ourselves at a disadvantage. Huddersfield and Peterborough are going to be right down there with us next season. I think Hull. I think Hull will be okay. I mean, they they got absolutely tonked off QPR, but QPR are a great side. But, I mean, it's, uh, I think Hull will be in and around that, and they slammed us 4-1. Um, 
I think Blackpool will be in and around us as well. So yeah, you'd hope so. The least, the least we need tomorrow is a draw. Mm. That, that's, I that's, mean, that's the least we need. Three points. Yeah, I'd take them getting off the board. To be honest, do not, but, do not let them get points against us. Do not let them get three points. Huddersfield absolutely gash as well. Like I don't know if any of you watched the highlights throughout the last game. That yeah. goal that Mitrovic scored was one of the funniest <laughs> goals I have ever seen. It was hilarious. What was it? Their, their keeper tried to volley it from... And he just passed it to him. It and Mitrovic, Mitrovic slipped on his arse and it went in. Yeah. That, but you know what? You know what? That'd be the type of goal that North End concedes. 100%. 100%. I, I, I know we're laughing about it now, but... We're going to be crying. It would be so North End to lose against Huddersfield. Mm. After it's, that it's, I, I really think I would I would settle for a point right now and that is saying some a few years ago if I'd have been told Huddersfield away I'd be like right we've got to go at them we can we can get three points if we play our own game right now I'm, I'd be grateful for a point right now which is sad to say but it is where we're at do you think he'll? Uh, do you think Frankie will go and change the formation, or do you reckon he'll stick to his three at the back or five at the back he, formation? I think he's got to stick with with five at the at five at the back because what choice has he got? I honestly think we don't have any alternative at the minute because we seem to think we can't play four four at the back, so we'd just be being hypocritical if he now goes and plays four at the back. So we're going to have to play five at the back, but it's absolutely disgusting football. But... <laughs> It, it is what it is. All I would say is, if please, I, I, we need more pace in that back line. Liam Lindsay's name is literally the big tree. That doesn't fill you with hope, does it? He's taken over from James Stockley. He has. <laughs> he has. There's, I think there's more mobility in James Stockley than Liam Lindsay. Oh, that's a big shout. It's. Uh... He's just stuck in cement, isn't he? Like he just <laughs> put a ball over the top. Did you see Jao get in on goal on Saturday? Yeah. Like yeah. the pants. Like he's just and the the second goal as well with the one two with Swift oh, and uh, like, Jao. Was it it was Lindsay that was just he was like it looked like he'd just been hit by a truck and was getting up. He's like looking around, <laughs> what are you doing, lad? Just get into him. Like it's you've just a simple one two, you taught. How to defend them when you're five years old? He's 25 years old and he's still not knowing that what to do in that position. He he's a rabbit in the headlights and he's it's he just like made me when I saw I just thought you just you just laugh at this point with some of the defending. It's comical. It, it is um, obviously looking towards tomorrow night. Um, mm-hmm. If we are sticking to a three-five-two. Obviously, there's been word of uh, Declan Rudd uh, being fit after his concussion. Will you? Would you be putting him in over Iverson, or would you be keeping yeah. Anderson in? I'd put no. Rudd in. I, yeah, I think I'd go with Rudd, to be honest. He's not had a, been a great in the last couple of games. I don't really know what's been up with him, but I, yeah, I, he's, I, he's, got the, he's got the quality for me. I'd still... I'd, 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 still, I'd still back Iverson, because if you say... It's confidence again. You pull him out, it's like race. You pull him out, and he—it's he, the same old, same old. But if if the five at the back, left wing back, 
are you sticking with Cunningham? Because he's not really no. had a good start to the season at all either. I've got to see Earl. got to see Earl at some point yeah. in the season. Because Cunningham won't last the whole thing. I'd, then, I'd be happy to give Earl a game tomorrow night. And then, and then the back three is probably going to be huge. I really hope Bauer starts. I yeah. think he'll go. I do think he he'll go do. Bauer. I do think he will. I, I hope. I seriously hope he goes Hughes, Bauer, Set van der Berg, and then Brown at right wing back. Josh yeah, Seary. Josh Seary. Honestly, Is he a right back? Chuck him in at the deep end. Why not? I I, I honestly, I'm... Well, against what, Josh Caroma. Well, <laughs> I just think I would rather give... He's How old is he? 16, nearly 17. The player, Hugh Bellingham, I know he's a just a one in a million, but you've got to give these players a chance at some stage. There's a Premier League clubs were sniffing around him. He's probably the most natural right wing-back we have available at the minute, other than Joe Rafferty. Why not just give him a game if if he's proved... He's been training... He played at um, Celtic, St. Johnston. I think he played against Accrington as well. So he's played in some pre-season games with, with the first team and he didn't look out of place in any of those games. So I would... I know it won't happen, so I don't know why I'm wasting my breath on talking about this, but I would personally go with him. Didn't didn't Brown get two goals yeah. against Huddersfield last season at right wing back? Yeah. Wasn't he playing yeah, right wing did. back? Yeah. Yeah, well, I think he was. <laughs> this is what I mean. I mean, it might not happen again, but I'd give Brown a whirl at right wing back because yeah. I can't see him getting into the midfield three. I understand they've not had a really good start with Ledson and Whiteman being poor. When, mm. Whiteman didn't even start the weekend. Um, I do feel like he'll revert to Ledson, Whiteman and DJ. Yeah. And then, obviously, Ched might be fit again. He'll go uh, Ched and Sinclair, I think. I think it... Well, I hope Reese starts. Because Reese last be season well. turns him inside out again. Like, yeah. I think he'll he's give, he'll say, oh, I've given Reese two games and he's not really pulled up any trees. He scored. Think, he scored twice. He scored. He didn't play he's... well, though. He got hooked at half-time by Frankie, though, didn't he? What did Chad Evans do in his first game? Because I don't remember oh, touching balls, to be honest. No, I, yeah, but we know how it works. And I just think... In the, in I the league... I'd start Reese. In the league, Reese is the only one who scored an open-play goal. In the league. I mean, we've scored two goals. So, it's not really hard to say. But, speaking of that... Besides that open-play goal, I can't see North End scoring from open-play. No. Can you lot? No. I can't, to be honest. It's just we're lacking creativity all over the place. It screams, give me... It's just frustrating. Um, but hopefully hopefully the turnout is good for this field and hopefully there is um, there is maybe a smash and grab on uh, from Preston. But um, we'll go down to predictions again. I think in the prediction league, I'm up by two compared to everyone else. So, Kyle, I'm going to come to you. Um, to be honest with you, I've, after all the negativity we've gone through today, I think I'm still thinking it's going to be a loss, but I'm going to hope for a one-all mm-hmm. and say that as my prediction. Okay, Tom? Um, I'll go I'll go with, agree with Kyle. I'll go 1-1. One, one. Oh, boys, I'm not going to lie, I was going to go 1-1 as well, um, but I'll, <laughs> I'll have to change it up. Um, can I do, Can I give two then? Can I have the 1-1? One, one? 
I mean, it's only half a point now if it does, if it does come in. Well, all right. I'll go 1-1. One, one, but my heart... My heart... It's 2-1 North End. And you know what? After all the negativity, <laughs> Emil Reese is going to come on and he's going to score in the last minute. Aye. I can see it. I can see it happening because I've been right the past two. So, it's I'll, happening. So, um, pretty much, if there's anything else left to say, we'll uh, see you after Huddersfield. Uh, hopefully for a good result. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, um, thank you for listening uh, to the listeners. And, uh, yeah, we'll uh, see you next time.